Hi, Amrita. Welcome to Network Capital. In this podcast, we try and explore mental models and career principles. Uh, we're really excited to be having a conversation with you because you've had a particularly multi-dimensional, multi-modal career. Could you tell us a bit about yourself and what do you do today? Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you, Utkarsh, for having me on the podcast. I've been a member of Network Capital for many years now, and it's a pleasure to be here in conversation with you. Uh, I'm Amrita Mahale. I am the product and strategy lead at Vadwani AI. Uh, Vadwani AI is a non-profit applied research institute working on developing artificial intelligence solutions for social good. Uh, at Vadwani AI, I lead product development in maternal and child health. And as you pointed out, I've had a, a, a very zigzag professional journey prior to uh, Vadwani AI. I'm an aerospace engineer. I studied aerospace engineering at IIT Bombay, after which I went into consulting. I worked at the Boston Consulting Group uh, for a little over a year, uh, where I focused on telecom and industrial goods. After BCG, I decided to uh, go to Stanford for grad school, where I decided to study aerospace engineering again. And after a graduate degree in um, AeroAstro, as it was called at Stanford, I joined uh, Google. Uh, I actually graduated in the middle of the recession, and it, it was only the large tech companies that were hiring back then. So I joined Google's internal consulting team. Uh, it was called Global Sales Strategy and Operations. And uh, my team helped Google's business execs make decisions such as which are the new markets to go after, uh, both in terms of uh, geographies as well as uh, advertising segments. I spent about two years at Google, including a couple of months in Google's Paris office, after which I went into mobile gaming. And I worked at Pocket Gems, uh, which was a Sequoia-funded mobile gaming startup. I uh, headed user acquisition there for a few years, after which I decided to move back to India. And I've been back in India for five years. I did mobile gaming in India for a few years. Then I worked at Goodert and Nicobar um, uh, doing e-commerce. And then I decided to quit and write full-time. Uh, I'm the author of the novel Milk Teeth, which came out about a year and a half ago. And uh, it took me a total of four years to write the book, uh, about two and a half years of full-time writing. And after the book was out, I, uh, I joined Vadhwani AI. And it's been two years at Vadhwani AI now. Connect the dots for me, please. Connect the dots. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's hard even for me. Uh, so I've always had two sides to my personality. I've always been interested in both the arts and the sciences. Um, and uh, I think in India, if you're good at math and science, there is this invisible hand steering you towards engineering. So I let that happen to me to some extent. Uh, I was, I mean, I was good at math and science. I really enjoyed studying engineering. But there was also always this writerly instinct, so this tendency to spend a lot of time analyzing and dissecting the world around me, uh, which I think uh, is something that a lot of writers have in common. Uh, this deep curiosity about the world, this desire to describe the world, understand the world, uh, which, which is also something that drives scientists. So I, I don't think those two impulses are at all. Uh, as for my career choices, I have never been a careerist. 
so my approach to planning my professional journey was never uh this is the path this is the ladder this is the perfect resume this is what i'm working towards i right. have always been driven by an internal compass uh so i've been driven by personal goals uh and i have tried to focus on learning and development over uh trying to chart uh you know like a predefined journey yeah that's a really interesting mental model uh the compass um talk to me about some inner debates that you had with uh, uh with yourself while you were doing well in school doing really well mm-hmm. in the in the corporate sector what were some conversations that made you uh, explore more or made you realize that maybe writing is something that you can also do yeah so let me talk a little bit about uh, my job first so when i was at bcg there were some things i really liked about consulting i liked the uh, the problem solving i liked the exposure to new, to new problems new industries uh, but there was something about it that also felt a little i don't know if superficial is the right word uh, but it was always very external to the real action um so i knew that i wanted to work in a company and uh, uh, you know take on multiple challenges within a company which is why i moved from bcg to google's internal strategy team um and also one of my first projects at bcg was uh, in the technology practice uh, it yep. was what was then called the next billion uh, project so mm-hmm. bcg was doing this across multiple verticals and the vertical that i was working on was uh, mobile phones and this is back in 2006 2007 um so the question we were really asking was uh, who where are the next 1 billion mobile users going to come from and how is this how is mobile technology going to transform their lives hmm. uh so i realized that i was very interested in uh, consumer technology and how technology impacted the lives of everyday people um so then i decided to work at google in google's um, internal uh, strategy team uh, so i really enjoyed my time at google and that's when i really uh, discovered how important it was for me to work with uh, work with smart people motivated people uh and and a very diverse set of people as well so that something that i have sought out in subsequent professional moves too um and again i like google but i realized that i wanted to actually work in a more operational role and right. uh, be more hands on uh so then i decided to take on a user acquisition role in in mobile gaming mm. uh which was which was great i was the first person on the user acquisition team and over two years i was uh, uh, i was the head of the team i was leading a team of 8 to 10 people we had a marketing budget of 25 million dollars um did some great work great experiments but i uh, also slowly realized that it was important for me to work on products that i was proud of i was not a gamer myself mm. uh and then i decided to go to godot where i was doing something similar it was uh digital marketing uh customer analytics analytics in general uh but uh, uh here were really really beautiful products from our heritage um and at godot i got to learn a lot about india's craft heritage textiles 
so that was that was absolutely wonderful. Uh, what's and actually also based? Masters in between, right? A very yes, technical masters. So what's the thought process there? Yeah. So I think that is a uh, that was something that was um, not really uh, driven by. It was driven by practical considerations. So I had applied for a master's when I was still an undergrad, hmm. and I had a full fellowship. So it was a scholarship that also came with a stipend, hmm. and uh, that was tied to my department, which was aerospace. So by the time I decided to go to Stanford, I had, um, I think I, I knew that I did not want to pursue a career in aerospace, uh, but I did want to broaden my horizons. I wanted to study further. And uh, IIT actually is is quite unique compared to a lot of other engineering colleges in India because uh, there is a thriving humanities department there. Uh, but I wanted more of that, so I wanted a more well-rounded education. Um, and I had uh, I had offers to go to other universities in the U.S. as well, but these were more technology focused. I picked Stanford because it was a university, and uh, it gave me the option of Taking classes, of studying across departments. So yeah, so uh, going to Stanford was uh, uh, was very much driven by uh, a desire to learn, to develop further. But the choice of department was, uh, I mean, that was decided for me really. What's interesting is that uh, you're very conscious that you're going for uh, breadth as well as depth to some extent, and not the other yeah. way around. That's uh, that's uh, that's a very interesting fact uh, for our listeners to keep in mind. That that's also a way to think about some programs where you decide how you want to structure it, rather than the program deciding it for you. Yeah, and I even when I was at Stanford, I took classes across multiple departments. I took a lot of classes in the design school, uh, and I think I was uh, I was very close to being able to graduate with a minor in human centered design. And uh, and like you said, I'm I'm someone who values uh, breadth uh, over depth, and right. uh, this reflects in a lot of the choices I've made in yeah. the past ten, fifteen years. Sure. Let's talk about money a little bit, shall we? Yeah. Yes, of course. When you move from uh, you know a top-notch consulting job to a top-notch company, uh, a corporate, and then. Uh, a high growth startup which i assume would be well paying then doing other things which uh, which perhaps have a different career trajectory what were some dilemmas you had and how eager or not so eager were you to uh, to jump in yeah so one of the uh, things about myself that i'm not very proud of is that i'm fairly risk averse and uh, I, I think I knew I wanted to write very early on in life. And um, I think even when I was in IIT, I did want to, I mean, it was very obvious to me that writing was inevitable, but I was very afraid of what, a, um, what making uh, the arts your profession might mean financially. So I put it off for as long as I could. And uh, I started with baby steps. So when I was living in San Francisco, I first started writing on weekends. I took a writing class or two. I wrote on a couple. I wrote a couple of short stories first, and then there came a point when I realized that it was harder not to write 
then to uh, take on some of the risks associated with writing full time and that's when i decided to take the plunge uh, and there were you know there were a couple of dilemmas even then i mean i was fairly young when i uh, quit my job to write full time i think i was 30 or 31 uh but still there is this mental model that you have that you need 10000 hours of practice to get good right. at something deliberate so some practice yeah of deliberate practice so some of the questions that were on my mind uh apart from just the financial risk were uh, am i starting too late and uh, i had not ever faced a uh, real failure or real rejection before uh, right. so there was this real fear of falling flat on my face uh of starting over relatively late in life and switching from a fairly structured job to a creative more freewheeling vocation so that was something i was afraid of i see and what were how did the idea come to you um when you realized that you cannot help but write uh how did you decide to focus on talk to us about the origin of uh, your most recently published work yeah so it was a very slow process i think uh, the themes in the novel uh, some of the characters and scenes they were in my head for close to a decade before the book came out uh, so it's a very slow churn really and like i said i started with baby steps i first wrote the novel as a short story uh, i was still working full time then so i initially started out writing 3 4 hours um, over a weekend but i was very very disciplined about sticking to this practice you know you have to look at um, i mean for anybody who wants to uh, explore a creative pursuit it's very important to take it seriously to make it uh, to make it a practice to make it a ritual uh, so i had it on my calendar i would say no to anything else that came up around the same time So I first wrote it as a short story then I realized there was a lot more that I wanted to say so I wrote it as a longer short story then it became a novella and then at one point I decided it had to be a novel um because there was still more that I wanted to explore in there there was more I wanted to say and I think I had written about 20 25000 words uh, when I realized that this was not something I wanted to do only on weekends because as i was writing i was also teaching myself how to write right so i was honing the craft and then i decided that this is something i wanted to do every day i wanted to get better at it i wanted to write a good book uh, so i decided to write full time but What's by the then most, you know uh, i sorry sorry amrita please uh, continue yeah. i'll ask this after yeah yeah i said but by then um, i had planned out my finances i knew i was because i had uh lived and worked in the US for 4 years and i had no student debt i was financially fairly secure so that that is what underpinned my decision to quit and write full time for the, for a few years i understand not everybody has that privilege that luxury but you created it for yourself right you said that you're not risk averse uh, you are uh, risk averse yeah, to some extent absolutely. so you created this absolutely. insurance for yourself you earned it yeah Yeah and it was a very deliberate choice it took many years uh, uh maybe if i were a different person i could have taken the plunge uh, much sooner but i think i would have written a worse book so in the end things worked out 
Yeah, there is a lot of uh, research that actually talks about second careers in writing. So a lot of uh, distinguished, very famous authors uh, mm-hmm. actually started and for a very long time continued doing their day job um, and then, you know, ventured it into, into it full time or not in many cases. Mm-hmm. I believe Elliot, uh, for example, um, mm-hmm. is an example, is, is one. Tell me what's the most... Uh, exciting aspect of being an author uh, or a writer and what's the most frustrating one what's the most exciting part uh, i i think at least for me i just love writing i love creating new worlds so uh, the experience of writing even though it's excruciating it's torturous uh, you're creating something right you're putting something out there in the world uh, there's uh, there's nothing quite like it. There's a sense of ownership, a sense of pride. Um, and I get emails and messages from readers all the time about how much they enjoyed my book, how touched they were by my book. Uh, so that sense of power you have over your readers is, uh, is, is really something else. Um, as for the most frustrating thing about writing, I have a very, very long list. I could go on for full hours, I think. Maybe a top uh, two or three. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Uh, I think, um, especially for uh, someone who's, who's, who's had a more um, structured, analytical vocation, uh, writing is extremely uh, unpredictable and capricious, right? Uh, you put in a lot of work, but you don't know what you'll get at the end of it. And I'm not talking about a whole book I'm talking about one session of writing and sometimes you just have to sit down and not get up till you you hit a writing goal uh, so it's not it's not as straightforward as okay if you will put in so much time this is what you'll get at the end of it. Uh, it it's really hard and it doesn't necessarily get any easier writing is also very solitary and this is one of the reasons I decided to go back to full-time work after I finished my novel you spend a lot of time in your own head, uh, listening to your own voice, uh, which gets um, yeah, which gets to you after some time. So I think I was craving uh, human company again. I wanted to feel connected to to the outside world. Uh, apply my strengths and skills to um, solving real problems, big problems, and that's one of the reasons I decided to go back to full time work. And I think the third. Uh, like big frustration is that in India there isn't that much money in writing. Yeah. Uh, barely, uh, barely any. Yeah. yeah. And I think as a woman especially, my financial independence is very important to me. And more than the financial independence itself, uh, being seen as independent, being perceived as financially independent is also important. So like I mentioned, I had savings. I um, I knew that I could take a few years off comfortably and support myself. But this is not how the outside world always saw me. So I think, I, I wish I cared a little less about what people thought about me, but uh, how I'm perceived is, is somewhat important to me, especially um, especially along some dimensions, right? As a woman, financial independence. Um, so that's, those are some of the reasons why I decided to go back to full-time work. It's really, really thought-provoking. Thanks for thanks for your candor. Um, could you give us a flavor of what your book is about? And when you started writing that book, 
how similar or different was the final product from your initial thought yeah so my novel milkteeth is uh, set in bombay slash mumbai in the 90s it follows the lives of two childhood friends um, ira and kartik who grew up in the same building in matunga matunga is a neighborhood in in bombay and uh, through their stories and their journeys it tells the story of a changing middle class and a changing city and a changing country in that period the novel really is about uh, it's a coming of age story about young people trying to find their place in a changing world while remaining true to an idea they have of themselves and the 90s are such a fascinating decade uh, for uh, like social cultural economic political reasons Yeah. Um and I wanted to explore what happens when societies change rapidly and uh, what does that do to uh, young people so these are some of the themes uh, in the novel um the novel changed a lot over the four years it took me to write it and edit it i i mentioned earlier um, in our conversation that i had written about 20 or 25000 words when i decided to uh, start writing full time the final draft has almost none of those 20000 words uh, because like i said i was teaching myself how to write i was developing an authorial voice i was honing my craft uh, and i think um, writing a novel is a bit like excavating your own mind your own thoughts so as i wrote more and more i began to develop uh, sorry i began to discover new layers in the story that i was writing which were the new layers were much more interesting than what was on the surface so i had to shed a lot of what was uh, in the in the earliest parts of the book uh how does one uh, figure out a discipline to write what's the art and what's the craft and what's the rigor of writing talk to me about your four years yeah i remember when i first quit my job for the first month or two i hardly managed to write anything because i was used to writing one two days a week right and uh, when i came to my writing desk i had already thought about what i wanted to write that weekend because i would think about my book on and off throughout the week uh, but then when i started writing every day it was very hard for me to uh, to get anything done and i remember thinking what if i only have enough words in me to write on weekend uh what if i just don't have it in me to be a full time writer but to be honest all i was lacking then was discipline and uh, there is no there is no silver bullet there is no magic answer you just have to treat it as a job uh you have to you have to really build the muscle of grit and persistence and for me that meant uh forming a set of rituals so i i would write and i continue to write on weekends so i write at the same time of the day in the same place uh i turn off the wifi i turn off my phone when i write uh, to eliminate distractions to the extent possible and then i just sit down i don't i don't get up till i've written uh, whatever my target for the day is it sounds very mechanical and uh, i mean non poetic but uh, i think the making of art itself is um, involves a lot of rigor a lot of discipline and uh, what you get at the end of it is is magical but the process of creating art is not about magic it's about discipline got it 
Um, how did you get your book contract? Do you have any suggestions for aspiring authors? Yeah, so I mentioned earlier uh, uh, in the in the podcast that I was not someone who was accustomed to much failure, to much rejection, and uh, that changed when I tried to get my book published. The the standard path that most writers in India and abroad follow is you get an agent first, and the literary agent then pitches your book to multiple publishers. So I sent out my book to I think about eighteen or twenty agents, both in India and abroad, um, and I was rejected by all of them. Uh, some of them had uh, some fairly harsh things to say about the book as well. I realized that I actually uh, made the mistake of sending an unpolished manuscript out. I should have made sure that I had shown the manuscript to friends and. Um, Uh, friends and family members who are discerning readers themselves. I didn't do that very well. Um, so the agent part did not work out for me. I started writing to publishers directly after making a few changes, and I had much better luck with publishers because two publishers read my manuscript and I had offers from both of them. I see. Uh, so it it did work out. Uh, I mean, yes, there was some rejection, there was some failure, but it was short lived. So I, I I was lucky in that sense. What is the difference or similarity between launching a book and launching a tech product? It's completely different. Um, I I still I I mean it's very hard to say why some books do well, others don't. Mine was a debut novel, so it came out very quietly. There was no book launch. uh there was only one review i think in the first month or two and the book came out with no blurbs no endorsements uh, but then it's it's really interesting the book got picked up by a few uh book reviewers on instagram uh, they're called bookstagrammers uh, this was something i learned after after my book came out i wasn't aware of bookstagram at all um so some fairly popular and influential um, book bloggers or bookstagrammers picked up the book and then the book took a life of its own uh so it was actually uh, social media that uh, really gave the jump start uh, to my book and then the newspaper reviews the magazine reviews the interviews started coming out after that and about 6 8 months in the book made it to the long list and short list of a few major literary awards so then it got a second life and uh, it originally came back in hardcover and it came out in paperback in december so about a year after the initial launch so the book has done very well uh, thankfully uh, but i still don't know if i can break it down and tell you this is what worked in its favor this is how you launch a book because i think you can do a lot of uh, i mean you can try out a lot of marketing techniques but eventually what really works is word of mouth right and if people like a book they talk about it uh that is what guarantees success i mean i'm talking about first time writers of course with more established names you already have a a large base of readers uh so they know what to expect from your work and uh, there's a sense of anticipation and excitement about uh reading what your uh, favorite writers have come up with next uh so i'm i'm talking more about uh either debut writers or um, writers who don't really have a large body of work what's your most memorable uh, 
positive comment or feedback that you have from your reader. And uh, if there has been a sharp criticism, we'd love to hear that as well. And how both of these made you feel? Does a does, is audience feedback very important for a writer, or a writer largely writes for herself? Hmm. So the book has actually got a lot of love from readers. I think I get, and especially now in the lockdown, I think I get at least two really lovely, two or three lovely messages every day on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, there are people who've written me one, two, three-page long emails uh, telling me how their uh, how how the book made them feel, and it's really really remarkable. Uh, so I, it's so hard for me to now say that this was uh, this was my favorite uh, comment, but I can give you a sense of some of the wonderful things that have happened. Yeah, I, I spoke it. Yeah, so I spoke at the Kala Ghoda Lit Fest uh, last year, actually earlier this year. Wow, it was just a month and a half ago, but it seems like forever now. Yeah. And uh, this young woman came up to me and uh, she talked about this scene in my book where a character um, has a breakup and then she walks around the city to get over her heartbreak. And she said that she'd also come out of a, a long-term relationship when she read my book. And uh, my book forced her to get out of the house and uh, go on long walks around the city. And uh, basically, uh, she had moved to the city for this relationship. So her relationship with the city was very intertwined with this uh, relationship that had just broken. And my book gave her the strength and the motivation to negotiate her own uh, relationship with the city, which was really lovely. And uh, and this happens all the time. I have uh, I have heard from readers who are 16, 17, 18, readers who are 75 years old. It's, it's really amazing. Um, as for criticism, I, I think as a writer, you can't, uh, I mean, you have to grow a thick skin because you get rejected so many times or there is the potential for rejection at every step, right? Yeah. From the agents to the publishers to reviewers to readers. And now every reader is a reviewer because uh, you can put up your opinion on social media on Goodreads. Uh, so I don't let criticism get to me really. Uh, though sometimes people actually write scathing reviews and tag you. And I don't know if they expect the writer to, to respond. Uh, so I usually just leave like a very vanilla message saying thank you for the honest review, like appreciate your feedback. Uh, but but the book has, uh, I mean, a lot of uh, the criticism has been very valid. And it's actually also great, right? It shows that readers engage with, uh, have engaged with the book enough to think about what did not work for them. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's been good. So no, nothing heartbreaking, thankfully. No wonder. The response uh, has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, um, I've been very lucky in that sense. Oh. And it has come with a lot of work, discipline, introspection. So, um, you know, really interesting. At some point, you should do a, a writing masterclass for Network Capital TV. I think a lot of people would like to learn from your uh, experience once we share this podcast. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, please. Uh, we'd welcome that. Tell me, Amrita, um, when, do you have a career plan now? 
I've seen you lead some very interesting AI discussions at various policy and tech fora. I have also met you in literary circles talking about your book. Are you enjoying doing both or do you have a career plan? Uh, what's your mental model for your future? Yeah, I think I'm very, uh, I'm very uh, lucky in getting to occupy two very, very different worlds. I remember reading somewhere that the role of art is to tell you that you're special and the role of science is to tell you that you're not. Uh, that you're part of a pattern, part of a system. So uh, it's very interesting that I get to do both. Um, I think my career plan for now is to continue to do both. I am writing a second book on weekends, and uh, my job keeps me very busy over the week. And uh, for the last month and a half, because I'm working on some COVID response projects, it's kept me very busy on weekends as well. So there hasn't been much writing uh, recently. But this still, on the whole, AI. I think that's right. That's Vadhani AI. Uh, so I think on the whole, uh, I enjoy occupying two different worlds. So my plan for now is to continue doing both. Um, great. Tell us, give us a flavor of uh, some of the most satisfying projects that you embarked upon at Vadhani AI. And uh, yeah. why did you join Vadhani AI? It's uh, You could have decided to take your career in various directions. Um, I know you alluded to it earlier during the podcast, but uh, from this particular section, I want the listeners to figure out an efficient way to think about their future, perhaps a mental model, perhaps uh, a framework that you use, or even if it was gut, I'd love to for you yeah. to share your example. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like I said before, I wanted to apply my strengths and skills uh, towards solving real-world problems, towards solving big problems. I'm someone who's always been interested in technology. And uh, I, when I started looking at jobs uh, after, after Mills Teeth was done, I was looking at jobs at the Inter technology and development or uh, data because this is, it, it, it was potentially like, like a bridge between what I'm good at and um, what I wanted to do. Right. And I asked the Vahani opportunity and I was really, really interested because I think this was this was about two years ago and AI for good was very, very, and I did not know much about it. I was uh, very curious about it. This was an area I wanted to learn more about. And uh, the idea of uh, learning something with a view of applying it real-world problem was also very interesting. I think another uh, great thing about my role is that I work with a very diverse, uh, so we build AI solutions and on any solution we have four kinds of functions coming together. There's AI research, engineering, product and programs. So I work with AI researchers, engineers, I work with medical doctors, public health professionals, um, it's, it's actually really exciting. It's, it's almost like a melting pot of people from very, very different backgrounds uh, coming together to solve problems, which means that you also uh, get to hear and learn from many different perspectives. So it was a little bit of all of these. Got it. Was it hard to get back into the job market uh, after four years or five years, five years of full-time writing? It was easier than I thought it would be. Um, and uh, I mean, 
I suppose we we spoke a little bit about risk aversion earlier in the conversation, and I did always know, even when I took a break to write, that given my background, given my resume, it would not be too difficult for me to get back into the job market. Of course, if I had taken five years or ten years off to write instead of just two, two and a half, it might have been slightly hard. Yes. Uh, so there was, I, I suppose, it was a calculated risk that I took. Got it. Uh, that makes uh, that that makes so much sense and makes uh, it clear for our listeners to think about it. This is not the only way to go about it, but this is one definitely uh, tangible and practical way to think about uh, your thing. Um, how has COVID impacted your work and? Uh, how as yeah. a writer are you thinking about it uh so i lead product development for our projects in the health domain and uh, we had multiple projects going on with uh, data collection and field experiments running in multiple states in india and as soon as uh, uh, hit, all ground operations came to a halt and the entire team started working from home but we decided fairly early on like even before the lockdown was announced i think my team started working from home a week or 10 days before the lockdown was officially announced uh, but even before the lockdown was announced i think um, the team unanimously decided that we wanted to help and uh, take on covid response projects uh, so for the past uh, month and a half almost everybody at the organization has been working on different covid response projects so the project that i'm working on is a um, is a cough analysis technology we we're calling it uh, cough against covid where it's an exploratory project where we are trying to find signs of covid in the acoustic signatures of cough um, and the idea is um, it's it's still exploratory like i said but the the thinking behind it is as more and more countries enter the community transmission and the epidemic phases um, of the of the pandemic it's crucial to identify positive cases early and break the chain of transmission but the symptoms of covid are very non specific so for example if you look at uh, covid positive patients 60 70 sometimes 90% of them will develop a fever or a cough hmm. but if you look at people who have a fever or a cough only 1% of them will have coronavirus right so it's a very non specific symptom right uh, so the idea behind our project was can we look at other signals hmm. uh, which would help you narrow down the probability of having uh, covid just from the symptoms and uh, there is some anecdotal evidence that suggests that the cough of a uh, covid patient sounds different and uh, there have been other research studies uh, that have shown that cough analysis can be used to detect tuberculosis or other respiratory illnesses especially in children uh, so we thought why not uh, why not try this out so we are in the data collection phase now and uh, we are building some of the uh, technical pipelines to start doing the machine learning work as well but the main focus is data collection understood and your writing schedule is it still on it's it's not been on i mean i think last weekend was the first weekend uh, since the lockdown when i could take a weekend off and write uh, which i was very happy about uh, but i think this is uh, this is so overwhelming that i'm i'm glad that i'm not writing because there is 
if if i were writing there would have been a strong impulse to write about this current moment mm-hmm. and i've always believed that you need some distance from your feeling from your subject matter to be able to process it uh so i don't think this is the best time to to write or to create art i mean i i'm sure uh, uh it's it's very different for other artists but for me i need some distance to be able to process emotions and experiences uh and if i wrote now uh i think everything i wrote would be suffused with anxiety and um and like a sense of the unknown and a fear of the unknown uh which i'm not sure really works for the novel that i'm working on well i can't wait to read it i have actually read your first novel and I, like other readers i also discovered it through a review i think it was on one of the indian uh blogs scroll or something um oh yeah yeah i think they carried out a very nice uh, review which i thought was and i knew you of course so it was uh, that's how i actually stumbled upon the book and I thoroughly enjoyed it i look forward to reading your second book even more but i'm thoroughly excited by now hosting you for a masterclass because uh, i think this uh, form of writing needs to be explained much more to our community i can't tell you how much i've enjoyed this conversation and how excited i am to take it uh, to our larger community thank you for your time and uh, take keep doing the awesome work that you're doing amrita and thank you for the thoughtful questions utkash it was a pleasure